I think just just getting out there and trying a lot of different things is always a good a good way to go about trying to figure out what you, what your what your passions are, what your interests are. Um, you know, keeping an open mind. Um, things have a weird way of working out for themselves. You know, like you know, and you might get one idea, and then and then there's kind of something else presents itself, and you might be real disappointed that like this didn't come through and this didn't didn't amount to what you thought it was going to be you thought it was a great opportunity but then like the that door kind of closes but there's always another door that's opening up and, and it's like you know probably the door that really should be there you know and i, I find like that's keeping that open mind uh towards things i think is is, is uh what helps you kind of find that pathway a little bit Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast with your host, Taylor Gallegos. Art exists all around us, in all directions, from all walks of life. We just need to know how to see it. The Art and Life Podcast is an experiment in an audio format that focuses on the art and philosophy involved with different people and their life paths. This experiment is intended to inspire you in your creative pursuits, whatever they may be. Follow along as I interview movers and shakers from all walks of life. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, craft, or vision. These interviews showcase that fact. Listen while you work. Listen while you create. Listen while you dream up the next big breakthrough. First off, I want to say thank you for listening. The people being interviewed and I are two parts of the podcast, but it wouldn't be complete without you, the listener. I very much appreciate your attention and your energy, and I hope you get as much out of this as I do. If you enjoy what you hear, you can join me on this artistic journey in many ways. You can subscribe to the show, leave a review, share it around. You can join the conversation on the Art and Life Facebook group where you get notified of fresh episode drops. You can join my email list on my website at taylorgallegosart.com on the contact page. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at taylorgallegosart. And finally, you can support me on Patreon. So again, a deep and sincere thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Now, on to the good stuff. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I am your host, Taylor Gallegos. And with me today, I've got an absolute legend of a human. You guys, this person is the longest standing friendship I've got in my life, other than my brother and mom and, you know, family. But this man right here, he's the man, known him forever. Richard Silkey, thanks for being on the podcast. Pleasure to be here, Taylor. Thanks for having me, man. (laughs) Yeah, dude. We've been talking about this for like six months now. It's been uh, it's been nice to have it come together. 
Yeah, I've owed you this for, for quite a while since you, uh, you know, helped me put that roof on my house. And we didn't make it happen at that time because uh, we pretty much worked every single waking hour of that visit. But <laughs> yeah, now here we are. I think this is good timing, man. I'm excited to be here. So. Yeah, yeah. We did some really good relaxing in the evenings, if I remember correctly. Well, that, that's true. We did do a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so why don't we start from the beginning? Uh, Tell them, tell the people who you are, where you're from, how do you got, how do you got to where you're at, and then what it is that you do. Yeah, Taylor. Uh, yeah, so my name is Rich Silky from Lafayette. Um, you know where? Yep, all my homies are from here. Taylor, known him since, since we we're six. You know, yeah. kindergarten. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, I live, uh, I live in Del Norte, Colorado now. It's just in the um, San Luis Valley. Um, it's kind of a little hidden gem of Colorado, you know, it's a lot of place, a lot of people don't end up. So it's kind of unique to, to my story, I guess, but, um, it's just a gem little place of Colorado, but, uh, yeah, I went to, went to college in CU Boulder for environmental design, um, and, uh, geography, physical geography. Um, so went to school there for that and, um, graduated and then, um, decided to didn't really want to be in front of a computer didn't really want to uh, have a desk job and uh, really wanted to just live life up for a little while so I went in ski patrol at Copper Mountain so we moved up my wife and I Jody I met her right before we moved up there met her in steamboat um, on a ski trip and uh, I had a really good a really good time there and uh, she ended up moving up to Leadville with me um, and uh, yeah, and then we ski patrolled there for shoot about seven years. Did uh, kind of work my way up through that whole program, and uh, really got just really loved the snow science. Got to really in, enjoy the the snow science and avalanche forecasting. Had a good opportunity to to work my way up through that program, and um, was an avalanche forecaster the last three years of that uh, of that of that job and. I had an avalanche dog during that period, Scout, where we uh, got him as a puppy and raised him through, uh, you know, raised him up and trained him. And he came to work with me every day. He rode the ski lift and, you know, and the snowmobiles and, and just got him trained to, to find people buried in the snow. And um, just an amazing resource and a great companion. And uh, that was, so that was just a great, a great experience. Um, and then you know, shortly through the that. Best dogs. By What's that? Scout was one of the best. Oh, ever. thank you. I just want to. He, he was amazing. That. <laughs> Here's a chocolate lab. Uh, just a, a bruiser of a boy, man. He just had so much energy, um, and such a such an awesome dog. Great temperament. Just the friendliest. the friendliest thing there was, unless you wanted his couch, then he kind of let you know about it. But, <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, we you know we started that whole career and then um ended up uh you know jody got pregnant we had a, had a little baby girl isabel she's she's 10 now but she was born in frisco highest place where they um do births in, in, the, in the state so or in the whole country actually so that was pretty pretty cool it's like ten thousand um, feet right uh no, I don't think Frisco is oh, high. Frisco's it's a like little 8, lower. 8,500 or something like that. We lived in Leadville, so that's where I think it's 10,000. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, and then we ended up um, 
kind of chasing, I started getting into the back into the environmental sciences a little bit at that point, um, doing some natural resources work, uh, and then started doing some geotechnical um, engineering technician work in Silverthorne for a small startup company. And, um, and then just kind of fell into that, that career a little bit, actually started, started following that path a little bit, um, went down to Fort Collins, worked for a geotechnical engineering company, doing field work, and then, um, and then got an opportunity to move up to back out of the front range, back to Salida, and, um, and then uh, worked for mountain engineering, doing, you know, testing of you know, soils and concrete, asphalt, um, masonry, things like that. And um, my boss gave me an opportunity to move down to the San Luis Valley and start an office down here. Um, so it was just a, a blessing. So we ended up, you know, kind of taking that leap and moved down here. And uh, yeah, things have been great ever since. I mean, we've been, you know, it's just a nice, affordable place in the state compared to, compared to the, comparatively to the rest of the state. So um it's not as, uh, you know, second home owner focused and it's more, you know, people are, you know, it's more affordable. So it's, and it's just as beautiful as everywhere else. So we uh, moved down here up in that office and, um, and uh, yeah, I've been, been managing that since 2015 and um, just doing great with it. Just having a lot of fun. So. Yeah. And you love being out in the, the country anyway, like, like, Oh yeah. North, I mean, like, this what we love down about this area down here is just kind of its remoteness. Uh, it's less, it's less crowded. You know, you don't go to a trailhead and see, a, you know, 50 cars or even a car there. Typically you just get to go enjoy it and kind of have it to yourself and out in nature. And, um, you know, I hunt, uh, avid fly fishermen and it's just a pretty much a paradise for those types of things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what the draw is, you know, and then we, yeah, I'm a big, you know, the biggest adventure of my life, you know, besides, you know, getting married and having a kid and our career was, we just built a, you know, bought some land. We were able to sell our house in town and we bought kind of took a leap and we bought a camper and bought some land last uh, two Januarys ago. And we, we ended up uh, ended up designing a house. Ended up by designing three houses because we kept just changing our minds on land. And finally found the one. And uh, we, yeah, we bought this land, designed our house, and we're building it the last year. And we lived in our camper the whole time we were building it. We were working a, we're both working full time jobs and building our house, taking Fridays off and working Friday, Saturday, Sunday on the house. And, Luckily, we had some awesome friends to come help out in some key moments as well as just, you know, family who pitched in a lot, a big part of it, um, could have done it without any of them, and um, we got it finished. So we're now we're enjoying being in our new home. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah, and, and there's some really awesome features to your new home, which are like environmentally designed, and that part's, that part's really cool. Yeah, so you know, it just it, it's funny because I, I studied all that in school. I didn't use it for so long, you know, and then and then got back into it when I started doing the geotechnical engineering with the geology side of things, and then taking what I you know I kind of built homes for a little while in the summers while I was ski patrolling, and uh, so I got some good building experience, some more hands on, and then um, yeah, took took a lot of what I learned back in school and, and uh, applied it to 
designing our home. So it's a it's a passive solar house. So our whole goal was to have it um, just just essentially like not require much energy. Um, be just passively like it's you know you just passively heat and cool itself without requiring a big mechanical demand on for heat and cooling. Um, and then we you know implemented really efficient appliances um, to kind of keep our our impact down as well and our demand down. And we um, in all of our appliances um, our electrical we 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 didn't do any um, gas um, or any. Uh, you know, any, any type of um, gas powered appliances just because we wanted to have everything ran on the sun. So it's all driven by the sun. It's passively heated by the sun and it's um, actively heat, uh, act actively powered by the solar panels. So um, yeah, so essentially we are a net zero. It's, it's, we, we built a net zero home um, that doesn't require, you know, it's essentially ran entirely by the sun. So yeah. it's pretty pretty good feeling, you know, knowing that our impact is low um and it really just takes a lot of uh initial just planning a little bit of extra a little bit of extra resources but it doesn't take a, a significant amount and it just makes your house really comfortable as well like just having very low you know very you know insignificant swings in temperature one way or another it just kind of passively stays a moderate temperature and it, um it's been performing really well that's been the really fun thing about living in the house it's just seeing how it performs it's all been theoretical you know it's all just been textbook and you know running models and just like uh, principles and things like that and and you know you learn about it but it actually like see it now and experience it has been it's been pretty neat totally. um, some of it's you know working out really well some of it's like i've definitely like thinking oh i could have done this a little different here or there you know to even improve on it because there's always going to be improvement um but it's been it's been pretty pretty awesome to know that our footprint is, is is negligible and we're actually producing so much solar that we're i think we're going to look into an electric vehicle and probably be able to run our vehicles on the solar as well um, <laughs> so yeah like essentially we're not relying on any fossil fuels you know carbon emissions i mean granted we're not we're not an off the grid home a lot of people feel like if you have a solar home you're off the grid um, and that's just a, a you know, it's, it'd be ideal to not have to be reliant on the grid, but also like the grid is a resource and it's it's uh, it's readily available and as, as it can be used as a battery. Like otherwise, if you're off if you're off the grid, you have to have batteries to store all of your power, and that's a, a large expense and it needs replaced. And so our solar our power does go onto the grid when uh, we're creating it, and when, and when we need power, we draw from the grid and. There's a meter for each of them, and we just see how it balances out essentially. So, so we're still reliant on the grid and the power that comes from it. Um, but you know, we're creating more, more um, power than we use from just just the sun, just from orienting your house towards the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not easy, dude. That's so cool. Uh, the car part is like X is like a bonus you right? didn't expect. No, I like I. We didn't, I mean, I just, our solar guy like sized the system and they size systems based on charts and, you know, what you were anticipating you're used to be. But I think, you know, it's hard for them to really quantify like, you know, how efficient you're actually building it. 
you know, their size and based on a normal house and your, everything else is so efficient that your demand is so low, um, then, uh, yeah, then it, it's, it's just gets a little bit over-designed. But that's not a bad thing. I'd rather, you know, we're creating, we probably are enough, we have enough power at the moment, we probably power in two houses just on the sun, just by having solar panels on the roof. And I'm, and I'm only actually, I only actually have half of my roof covered in solar panels. So you could easily do more. You know, wow. and so why don't you explain to everybody how the passive solar works with the windows and the eaves and the concrete and all the stuff? Okay, yeah, so passive solar design it's 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 there's there's also like it's also called like a passive house. Um, there's it's just like a design principle, so it, there's there's some there's like certain principles to do, uh, to you have to orient your house to the south. Um, you have to size the windows, you know, to allow for the solar gain. So you have to have a fair amount of solar, solar windows, south-facing windows to catch that solar gain. Um, and then I size like the mass of the floor, like uh, to to capture that heat. So in the winter, the sun is really low in the horizon, so it shoots into the far into the room, and, and then that heats that slab. And then that slab is like your battery in a way, like it's the mass, it heats that mass up and there's a lot of heat there because it's just in that mass. This is the concrete slab of your floor. Of which, the floor. Which is extra thick, right? You make it. No, it's just or... like a normal thickness. It's like, okay. yeah, you don't have to like overly thicken it. You can actually go too thick and it's too much mass where it doesn't absorb it as well. Like, okay. Um, so uh, we did a, I think we did a five inch thick slab, um, floor slab, concrete slab. And then, um, we did really efficient windows, like very, like we spent a lot of extra money on, not a lot, but we spent extra money on really efficient windows, like almost the most efficient windows we could afford. And then there's, um, you know, certain glazings that they can apply to those windows um, to either allow more solar gain, uh, to like kind of block solar gain um, or make it neutral. So we, we did like a high solar gain on the south facing windows and a neutral on the north and then like on the west we blocked all the heat because like the sun's really low in the horizon all you know in the west all times of year so like in the summer like that you could really cook yourself out of your house um by letting that solar gain come in, in the, from the west you want to kind of control that that's like your one limiting your one direction that can really overload your heating so, so yeah, so you have, you have your solar, your solar glazing and your efficient windows, but the efficient, what goes along with the efficient windows is just making a very well insulated house. So we went a well above and beyond like any building code on insulation. Um, we did two by six frame walls and the, in the, in, in, in the inside of the, of the cavities, we did a, a bat rock wool uh, or just like a bat insulation, which is pretty well insulated that'd be like your normal house insulation but then along the outside of the walls we did a two inch rigid foam all the way around the whole outside so that really super insulates your structure i, I like put a, that up yeah yeah this is the guy right here nailing all that off <laughs> you gotta use a jumbo nailer with five inch nails to shoot through our our sheeting yeah through the foam that's was, was pretty fun <laughs> yeah, we had a good time <laughs> we had a good time it was a lot of fun um yeah, so we and super insulated our structure, and then you have to make a really tight envelope because you can't have, you know, when the wind blows, you don't want that cold air to come into your house and add that cold air into it. 
um, and then cool the air down. And then your, your heat that has been captured in your slab goes to heating that air than it does just to be regulating the normal environment in your house. So you have to make a really tight envelope, just really conscious um, on where you put your penetrations, you know, what sealing your penetrations and through the walls. Um, and then also, uh, you know, just having a strategy for that. You know, essentially my thermal barrier is the exterior where I have my, these the zip bar sheeting, which is a sheeting that has a, a, a weather strip on the outside. Then you tape all the seams and then you caulk all the, all the base of it. And um, that essentially creates a really tight envelope there. And then we transfer that to the drywall on the inside of the house, which is my, my, um, my weather envelope there to, for, to, keep, to, to prevent you know, uh, air from leaving the house and involve like caulking or like spray foaming all of the cracks, like where it meets an interior exterior stud. So just a lot, it's a few extra steps. It's really not like all that much more like costly to do those things. It's just, and then, um, and then to like, you know, when you create such a, a tight envelope, you kind of create a problem where you don't have air exchange anymore. So you have to control that air exchange. Um, we do an energy recovery ventilator. So it's, it's constantly circulating air through the house all the time. So we're getting fresh air in the house all the time. Like every, every hour and a half, like we get completely fresh air in the house. Whoa. So that's, I mean, for COVID, like that's also amazing because you're getting this fresh air and it's constantly through your house. You don't have this stale air that everybody else is breathing. And at the same time, when that's, when that air is coming in and the air is going out, it's going through an exchanger and it's warming up the air that's coming, coming in. So you're not losing that energy and that heat. So it allows you to like passively heat your house. So yeah, it's been, it's been, it's pretty, it's, it's building science. There's a lot to it. And I'm by no means an expert either. Like there's, you know, this is kind of like my trial and error. I've got some education in it, but like, there's, there's so much to it. And, um, and it's just exciting to be, be a part of it, you know, and to build a home that's, that's, that's got very little footprint. Yeah. You know, environmental footprint. So, yeah. That's awesome. And the part that just the last part about the house, um, it's really cool how, okay, the windows are a certain size on the south facing wall. And then the eave of the roof is like a certain length out there. Right. So that, when, yes, like in the, in the winter time, go ahead, tell them about that. Yes. Thank you, Taylor. I did forget about that part. So, so yeah, so obviously if you put tons of windows on your south side, like you don't want all that heat in the summer, right? Cause you don't want to, you don't want to overheat your house. And that's like what a, a lot of the older principles of solar design kind of like learned what we learned from it, you know, like can't just, you can have too much glass on the South. So to, to like, essentially I designed the overhangs, um, like the roof overhangs. So the, you know, the, the Eve hangs over the window, a certain distance so that in the winter, the sun when it's low will shoot 100% through that window. But then as it transitions and gets higher in the sky, those eaves will block those windows. For summertime. In the summertime. Yeah. So as you're moving from spring to summer, you know, in the spring, you're getting maybe 50% of that heat coming in. And the same in the fall. In the summer, you're getting zero. Like it should 100% block those windows from getting any more heat coming into them. So you don't overheat your house. And then have to, you know, use an air conditioner or something like that to, to, um, to cool your house down. So yeah. and that, that's the part, yeah. that's such a cool part of it, how it's like, it just works with the seasons. 
And so I mm-hmm. was, I was blown away. And when, when I was there, I remember it was like, I think August or maybe July and the sun was like, we, we got to see, we could see where the shadow on the roof. We're like, Oh wow. The root, the shade actually goes right below the windows. It's perfect. You know, it covers the windows completely. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's simple. It's just a simple process too. There's really, it's really not overly complicated. And there's some really great programs out there. Like I just kind of, I had back in school, Cool. I had some sundials, you know, latitude, longitude, it all changes based on where you're at. And, and what's fun about it is it's designed for this location. It's designed for this spot on the planet, you know, and it's going to change from here to there. And, you know, as you move across the world or across, across the U.S., like it, it changes slightly, you know, on like where those sun angles are and things like that. So it's, it's just takes into account building a house for where you are, you know, instead of just like so many houses. I mean, I'm in the building industry and you see these houses that people just have and they're, they're beautiful homes, but like they're just designed and they have nothing incorporated with them about the site. You know, it's like, you know, it's not, none of it's incorporated and so little of it is incorporated to green building and just, you know, sustainable design principles like that. So um, it's, it's fun to put that, that knowledge and that experience and that education to, to use and, give it a go totally yeah and like i was telling you earlier uh it it that i i really like how you've had this environmental element to your work you know and like even as i mean especially as a ski patrolman you were getting like one-on-one like physical interaction with like avalanche elements avalanche safety like you're working with the elements there big time and uh yeah, it's, it's just really cool how you were in school for it. It was something you were interested in. You've always been like compassionate for the environment. And then now it's like, it's all kind of, it's all coming full circle. You've like dipped into it multiple times. Yeah, man. It's, I think a lot of, I'm sure a lot of, you know, going to see Boulder, I'm sure had a big influence on all that, you know, that that's such a big, um, you know, uh, it's, it's such a priority for that whole community, you know, so it definitely was um, awesome to, to get that um, education philosophy about that. You know, I, I was environmental growing up, but not probably as much as, as once I, you know, started getting into environmental design, learning about nature. And I almost switched strictly to geology instead of design because I really was wanting to learn more about like how earth was designed, you know, and like, because it's all, it's all, it all is, you know, geology is just a record of earth, you know, it's, it's just looking back at all the, the different times and how things, you know, how things formed and how they changed and geomorphized, you know, different ways throughout the years. And, you know, that's, I look at land that way on a daily basis for my design and stuff like that with, with um, you know, septic design that we do and stuff. And um, it's just, it's just really fun trying to learn about mother nature and learn from nature you know and, and live with it yeah totally because there's all the elements of nature and if you go with it and you work with it, it things can go so smoothly and it's almost like you let the element just be and do the thing and you just help it along you know like water <laughs> goes from a high point to a low point and like sure how like plumbing and everything like that the whole water system works and people can like go against nature or like work with it and 
yeah it's uh you know you don't want to fight <laughs> you don't want to fight nature because you're gonna lose <laughs> you don't want to fight nature man well <laughs> definitely don't like she'll win <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i like uh i like the concept too of designing for like for nature and i mean you know you were in the architecture program and when i was in the art program at csu and i like we would talk i remember talking about like frank gary you know and like his like fall like falling water is a classic is like the classic architecture piece that's designed like into the space you know what i'm talking about oh yeah frank yeah, lloyd yeah. wright yeah frank lloyd wright that's right yeah um oh yeah like it just just it just blends right in into the landscape and um just you know captures and tries to you know enhance all the you know the beauty that's there you know versus taking it over but um yeah frank Lloyd Wright is an amazing amazing architect he was definitely one of my favorites in school yeah um just with his, his philosophies about that and everything yeah that was like the beginning i mean yours what you were just talking about is more on like the utilitarian side and his is more like that his is more like the design architecture, like the skin of it. Yeah. But, but still, it's all, uh, it's all. Yeah. Like I'm, that was one problem I had with architecture. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was like the most um, like creative about it. I'm more of like an engineer in a way. Like that's what I do now where I'm just like more of like the practicality part of it than like, you know, like the, you know, how the space I was just getting really creative with those types of things. I'm probably less creative when it comes that way versus more like the practical side of things, you know, to just make things very efficient and like that kind of stuff. But yeah, still built a nice home. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there really, there's like two sides to almost every piece of art, every uh, building, every, any, anything really. There's like the practicality side and then there's the, what it looks like, the design yeah and you Definitely. have to find a nice little like marriage of the two that that works well in in both directions yep yeah definitely no you you just you built a, a nice little deck out there on on your house recently we were i just put up a deck at my studio i was telling you about yeah yours is definitely nicer looking than mine mine is straight up <laughs> utilitarian that's all we need it for. We just need it to work. <laughs> platform. <laughs> platform. <laughs> totally. But you got the goal, right? You got the goal of enjoying your outdoor space and, you know, having that transition from the indoor to the outdoor. Yep. It's just a great, it's a great environment that you create through that and a transition for being able to enjoy the outdoors and, you know, totally and it's a great place a great place to entertain yep just, just hang out and you know even just relax all those things you know like that's what's fun about the decks like a deck is such an awesome space <laughs> it's just there's so many activities yeah it's just it's just like the, the spot you know yeah i had yeah. dreams of like i was like gonna do this deck where i was gonna have the staircase wrap around the whole thing and like i was like oh that's gonna be really cool and i started laying it out and going to build it and i was just like this sucks like i can't frame this thing like this is ridiculous like what am i doing <laughs> you know so there's like you run through that all the time when you're doing a design build or even just building your own house you're like 
And that's what you got to be when you do it is like kind of flexible, like not so, you know, caught, caught up on one idea. Just be like, maybe that's not a good idea. You know, <laughs> like it sounds like good. <laughs> if you like start doing it and you're like, no, that, that's not right. That's not, that's not good at all. You know, yeah. I had definitely a handful of those experiences designing my house and putting it in all on paper and then specifying everything and then going to build it. There was definitely like a, a couple, you know, things where I was like, well, that's, that's not going to work. <laughs> you know what? That's stupid. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. Because you don't realize like, the designers and the builders, you know, like in the daily, daily, you know, relationship between those two, those two people, because you got the people who build it practically all the time. You got the designers who are kind of on a cloud sometimes or like out there and they got their ideas and and then and then you got the builder who's building that design but they're trying to just build it based on what's drawn and there's there's lots of surprises at times yeah you'd be amazed how surprised you are. <laughs> oh, for sure because yeah i mean the design is one thing and that's in your mind and in your mind there aren't realistic elements like whatever you know so many yeah i know exactly what you're talking about that like in the design yeah. it's one way and then you like it gets built out and then you walk under it and you're like, oh, wait, you hit your head on that because like it's exactly. you didn't think about this other element. There's like yep. so many variables. to. Recall. There's so much. Yeah, like that happened with my deck. I had an overhang on my deck and I was going to, um, I had a beam that I had to put across to support my covered deck. And I, I had it all little length and height all specced out. And then like I went to build it and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna walk out my door and look right at a beam. Like that's not okay. Like because I wanted my roof line to like be one continuous roof line. I didn't want to like have a, a transition there or have a hip or a valley and then a place where water and ice could collect or whatever. I was like, oh, I'm gonna be efficient. I'm gonna make a nice smooth roof. And quickly found out, no, I'm not. You know, like that's that's gonna be ugly and like <laughs> not work. And right. right. So you know, just got was able to make. That's what's that's what's fun about being able to design and build is you can just roll with it and be like, okay, well, what can I design now to make it work? Yeah. So we, we just like transitioned our, raised our beam up, you know, changed our roof from a 512 to a 312 and shortened that, you know, the pitch of that roof to raise that up and and get it right where we thought looked looked good, you know, um, as well as was functional. So it was, it worked out pretty good. There's another instance, like I had designed, I was doing overhangs around the whole house. And like I had I tried to break up it's kind of a boxy design, but I tried to break up like the, the space, the roof shape a little bit. So it looked a little bit more unique. And my living area is like a nine foot ceiling. And the rest of the house is an eight foot just to kind of hold the heat down a little better. And doesn't really need those tall ceilings. And, um, you know, the overhangs where those two roofs came together is like, I had this overhang that came over the other roof, like 18 inches. And there was like three inches of gap between the roofs. Like I couldn't even be able to physically be able to finish that roof underneath like the underneath side without do with the way it was designed so i had to like kind of come up with a, an alternative and stuff so yeah it was a few challenges like that you know but it was, it was pretty interesting but that yeah that's great and like that's you know it reminds me of making a painting or making a mural especially because oh i bet you know i'll have the idea and the design says one thing and it you know everything looks great on paper and then on site where it becomes real or on a canvas where things, you know, start to take shape and vie for space, then all of a sudden you get the relationships between things. And, and that's where 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe your proportions like aren't quite what you vision and you're like, oh, that doesn't quite look right now or something. Yep. Yep. And you can't know it until you're there. So really you have to you have to go into things with a plan or, I mean, you don't have to have to go into things. It definitely helps when you're building stuff. You definitely need a plan. <laughs> you kind of need a plan. <laughs> you need a plan. <laughs> We're not talking these crazy paintings here, but um, you know, like you want to plan and then when you, but you, you got to know that don't be too attached to that plan because everything could change. Yep. Yeah. Be flexible. You know, I'd be flexible. Gotta be flexible. Um, you want to go into the uh, question section here? Part one questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. These are tough questions. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. I'm ready for these. These, these, are, these have really broken some interviewer or interviewees. You know, they couldn't handle the pressure and they cracked. <laughs> so <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you can make it. I don't know. I'll see. I'll do my best, man. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right um question number one what is your advice to aspiring creatives and this is creatives with a capital c um all walks of life all different genres of creativity and um perspectives was my advice to creatives yeah aspiring creatives aspiring creatives well i think I think with anything, you just got to put your full heart into everything you do, you know, like really put your energy into it. And if, and if it's what you're passionate about and it's what you love doing, put your energy into that, you know, and if that's your, what your creative process is, I'm sure it is, then you, you, you follow that and you keep putting all your energy into it. And, um, and I think things work out, you know, when you do that. You know, I think that, that, that that's kind of like what you're what you're there for, what you're what you're here for, you know, when you're following that kind of pathway, you know, and that's that's what's going to be um, what, what gives you a fulfilled life. I think, you know, just following that, following your dreams, following your heart and your passion. And I think, you know, you can't go wrong. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I think that. What would you say to somebody who's like who doesn't know exactly what their thing is. Yeah, that's, that's always, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's definitely probably that boat for a while, you know, I think, um, I think just, just getting out there and trying a lot of different things is always a good, a good way to go about trying to figure out which, what your, what your passions are, what your interests are, um, you know, keeping an open mind, um, things have a weird way of working out for themselves, you know, like, you know, and you might get one idea and then, and then there's kind of something else presents itself and you might be real disappointed that like this didn't come through and this didn't, didn't amount to what you thought it was going to be. You thought it was a great opportunity, but then like the, that door kind of closes, but there's always another door that's opening up and, and it's like, you know, probably the door that really should be there, you know, and I, I find like that's, keeping that open mind uh, towards things I think is, is, is uh, what helps you kind of find that pathway a little bit. I like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think uh, sometimes people have it in their heads of like, this is the way it's going to go. And this is totally they're like more rigid about their, their direction. And it's good. Like, yep. um, I, I always like how people's sort of like 
offshoot things that they've done in their life like you know the the little side roads that they take end up really like strengthening their main road you know like construction and framing has done that for you and me and like right you know like i built a deck at the studio i built the studio out like you built your house like yeah that thing that i mean you and i both worked somewhere for kenny and mike framing (laughs) you know after college and it ended up being like a major through line through our lives yeah i mean i i I take what i learned from that and applied it to building this house and and just being a you know handyman around the house like all that all that all those things you're going to learn in life are going to be um, tools, you know, that you can use later on and they're going to just give you that experience, that knowledge to, to keep doing new things, you know, and I think, I think having a strong work ethic really helps, like just really working hard on things and putting your all into it all, you know, it's not worth doing if you're not going to, not going to put your heart into it, you know, so give it, give it your all. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah something, I don't know. That, that's something my dad really drove into us. It, it seems like all my siblings have a huge work ethic it's crazy maybe too much (laughs) you know but um it's something i you know we pride ourselves on totally yeah you guys like your whole family all got really good grades and like you always got your homework done before you like played on you know before we'd go play basketball we used to go sixth grade (laughs) me you brad reese We'd go to one of our houses and we'd get our homework done. We yeah, how responsible were we? Yeah, we were super responsible. <laughs> we'd go home, we'd get, we'd go to someone's house, get our homework done, and then we'd play basketball until it got dark. And yeah, we did every day. Those are those are great memories. Man. I mean, <laughs> yep, we did that every day. And then in seventh grade, the group grew, and the eighth grade, the group grew even more. Colorado kids were formed. <laughs> Shout out to the Colorado kids. Yeah, buddies. Kings of life. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, all right, nice. great. Question two. You ready for that one? I thought that was already two questions. No, man, that was one and then oh, okay. follow up. Do a follow-up okay. at you. Oh man. All yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, these are like expandable questions, which is I got gotcha. you. I like I like how you Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Question two. What do you want life to look like in five years? This is assuming you have a magic wand and you can wave it and everything that you would like to have come true will come true. Like what would life look like for me or just like life in general or what? You, you take this question wherever you want. Um, yeah, I think, I think, what I would like life to look like more is in five years or, you know, anytime, um, you know, it is, and a lot of it does come back to the environmental side of me, you know, like seeing people care more for the environment. Um, maybe we see less dependent on fossil fuels. Let's see, let's see more, um, more influence into living more with the earth you know if we can you know trying to grow our food more or get food from you know sustainable sources and local sources it's just better that way too (laughs) um that's that's just a big big influence of mine big big driver for me um and it'd be great to see uh, you know 
that ha that happened. Um, for me, like I personally, um, five years from now, I don't know. Um, just keep doing, keep doing my thing, keep doing what I'm doing, and see my daughter grow up and thrive. You know, that would be the next big thing. You know, she's doing great now. Just to see that continue to flourish that environment for her and um, nurture nurture her and like um, uh, yeah, I'll be healthy. You know, that's just a huge thing. I'll be fighting, fighting, you know, health issues and stuff. And I'm not, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, you know. <laughs> so just keep staying healthy on that whole thing. Stay active, you know, like just stay strong because I'm stronger now than I've probably ever been just from building that house. And like, it's just, just being, working with your hands and, and being active is just so important. And, um, and uh, yeah. I think that sounds sounds pretty good. I like that. <laughs> I like all that. Yeah. Nice. Isabel, Isabel's playing soccer now. That's awesome. Yeah. You can come out and do some coaching with her, dude. Like, you're yeah. all like, Callan's the coach. Signs. Callan's the coach. Or just kick the ball through then. <laughs> yeah. Nah, yeah we've been out playing soccer like every night, dude. She's like, get home from school. She's like, let's go play soccer. Like, dude. Okay, let's go. Like I'm tired. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You know, yeah, that's like cool. It. Yeah, um, that's nice, man. I like that vision. Uh, all right, question three: Have you seen or experienced your work affect another person or the world on a deep level? Okay, Richard had to go say good night to his girls, and uh, now he's back. Um, okay, question number three. Have you seen or experienced your work affect a person uh, or the world on a deep level? Tell us about it. And this could be any of the work that you've done throughout your life and career. Um, you know, I, I, I can't think of like one moment, like, or with like a, you know, with an individual per se, but like, I feel like I've always had like a, like a, a leadership role you know, a lot of the positions I've had, like managing the office I do now, avalanche forecasting. So I've had a lot of opportunities to just, you know, work with, you know, um, employees who are starting their careers and things like that and take the opportunities to, to train them and work them, harness those, show them what I know, try to share my knowledge with them to then, you know, if we take that information and then, and then go with it and do something great on their own. You know, and I, I think I can definitely have quite a few opportunities where I know, you know, some of the people I've trained are doing great things now. And that's, that's a great feeling. You know, it's like, it's great to know that they're out doing their passions and that, you know, you had an influence on that and now they're, they're surpassed you and what you know, and they're out doing even greater things, you know, so it's pretty cool. Um, I'd say that's, that's probably, um, you know, what my experiences with that, so. Yeah. yeah yeah i like that that it's like a leadership element <clears throat> and um i feel like you you've always just been a natural leader and then by you being yourself doing th your thing like being interested in the things that you're interested in like you're naturally affecting others around you and um yeah it's just kind of like how you roll nice yeah yeah and you've also uh saved people on the ski mountains that were probably all fucked up that 
Well, for sure. I mean, I, <laughs> there's a lot of people on the the brink of, you know, death and things like that being an EMT. But, you know, I know, I know we've saved lives for sure. Yeah, I'm sure that, you know, I, I can't say I've had a re, you know, re-encounter with anybody that I have had that happen with, but, you know, I guarantee they have a story about me that I don't even know about, you know, which is kind of weird. For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, the ski patrolling element gets you into some wild situations. Oh, ski patrolling is a blast, man. But it is, it taught me such such amazing skills in life, really. Like, you know, just how to take care of myself, how to help others, you know, you know, a lot of responsibility with, with a lot of the tasks involved there. And like, um, just like mountaineering, you know, and like rope skills, knots, like, oh, it's like being a, being a, being an Eagle Scout without doing any of the Eagle Scouting. It's like, you just have to, you have to like, you know, I was never a Boy Scout, but like, sure am, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just based on all the skills you've got to require. And they're just, they're just good to know, you know, for everyday life. Yep. Yep. And like a lot of those are obviously like outdoors skills and like, you know, survival. Are there, I guess when you said it, like take care of yourself, is there elements of ski patrolling that you feel like, like health and wellness stuff that like take care of yourself is that part of it or are you thinking just like um, the outdoorsman stuff or outdoors yeah mostly outdoorsman stuff i mean like if i was going to take care of myself i probably would like chuck a bag of bombs on my back and go walk out a mountain and throw them all the time you know it's not, <laughs> not very good for you what could go wrong <laughs> yeah you know no big deal it's flowing 65 outside you can't see the ridge you know like let's just let's go for it you know like, <laughs> this sure is fun (laughs) probably more powder days than a lot of guys you know like fresh track untouched ski slopes pretty spoiled in that regard so resorts don't really appeal to me much anymore you know because of that but but yeah i mean I, i think like it just you know it also does just like you know have you know, you have to take care of your body, obviously. It's a demanding job. So you're, you're very in tune with like how your body feels. But no, definitely not like towards wellness too. Like your knees hurt like hell. <laughs> your, your feet grow like freaking, you know, things on them that shouldn't be there because they're in a ski boot all day. Like <laughs> 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 It's more just like the glory of like skiing powder, um, you know, being outdoors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> I like that. That's yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Being outdoors is awesome. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Question four. This is the okay, question four. You were you told me you were nervous earlier. You should be nervous right now. This is the scariest one. Oh man. Good. I'm ready. Hit me. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> what What is your definition of art? What is my definition of art? Well, if you look it up in the dictionary, there's a Taylor Gallegos picture right there. And he's like, art yeah. is life, you know, and like, that's, that's what it is right there. I, <laughs> I love that. I need to, I need to take a photo of that. Yeah. Can you NFT that? Oh, well, we can make NFTs off of that. Okay. Sure. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, art, art's just, uh, it's just being creative right it's being creative of um in, in any media that you do as an artist you know it could be, it could be anything music painting cooking you know um 
you know, building all, you know, anybody, you know, anybody who's like a, you know, a master of what they do is probably an artist, you know, in a way. Lots of different levels, lots of different medias. And it's, uh, um, I think that's, I think that's the root of it all right there. Yeah, totally. What is it, what would you say it is to be a master at something? To be a master at something is to somebody who just like takes, takes, the you know what what you're normally doing with that and, and, and i think takes it just to a whole nother level of professionalism you know like they can just you know say say like being the master builders you can build a deck and you can build a house but like to like understand all the, every single in and out of that thing so much that you can like tweak this here or there and like join things in a way that like no more normal people can't join pieces of wood you know and like carve them and sculpt them into these things that like i think you know that's just that's just taking it to uh, the extreme of the of, of the level of of the art i think um and just being being pretty much knowledgeable about all aspects of what what it is to do that you know um i think takes you know and it takes takes a lifetime to learn that, you know and, and not just you know an experience and education you know um yeah yeah so yeah i like that and uh i like how the knowledgeable part came into it because you know like a master has taken so much time with the craft with the tech the techniques with the materials it's like they can intuitively like handle the materials while at the same time thinking bigger picture, while at the same time thinking like way bigger picture. Yeah, like maybe, how, hey, can I do this completely differently and like this whole nother level? And like you, you all, all of a sudden you just like created a whole new way of doing something, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. never been done. Like, and now everybody's doing it. Like, you know, like I, I saw that firsthand with this uh, ski patroller around Stimenhoist. Like he was, he was just a, he was a, a patroller that I did with it, worked with a copper and he just completely developed like a total new scientific test that's completely used nowadays for, you know, by all the forecasters, you know, like, which was never, so it completely brought like a new enlightenment to the field, which is, wow. you know, yeah, pretty neat to work alongside people like that. Yeah. It's because <clears throat> it's like they, he knew, or he saw, like the underlying structure of maybe like the physics or the math yeah. or the system or whatever he saw it in a way that no one else did and then could take that and flip it on its head or you know turn it inside out or backwards or whatever and then that made the whole system work completely different it's like and you see it that's what all that's what these standout people in like music and art and science and building and all the different things like that's what they're doing it's like yep they're the one that takes it and like flips it and puts it up higher exactly and, and then you're like wow that makes so much sense too you know yeah. like, it's, it's, why didn't i think of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh i'm not a master at that but um yeah <laughs> That's cool. All right. All right. I like that. Okay. You passed Richard. You passed. Good job. Thank um, you, Taylor. Appreciate the approval.
Definitely. I think uh, I think I just heard Nova bark at Cedar through the Zoom call. Can you hear Cedar barking in the background? Yeah, a little bit. My dog's on alert right now. My, my, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> Nova barks on this show fairly regularly. Uh, that's no problem. Um, but yeah, so this is the part of the show where I thank my guest for coming on and being a part of this whole experiment. I, I really appreciate you taking your time and energy to do this. Granted, you owed me for putting on your roof, but still, it's appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I, I'm glad I could be here, man, and do this finally. It's been way overdue. But this was really like the timing was supposed to happen, you know? Like, yeah, I could put the energy into it, and, and you know. Right, and I mean, we've been talking about your house since it was just an idea in your head, and yeah, like working through all of everything. It was really cool to come and be a part of it, and just like, you know, work with you in, in that capacity to help you put on the roof. That's like in the, you know, I'm looking at the ceiling in the back of your screen there. Like, that's so cool. It's all done now. It's all there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I couldn't have done it without you guys. That's for sure. Yeah, you're a huge, huge help. Yeah, doing man. that for me nice. so i appreciate it thank you nice. and uh you know on a, on a more personal level you're one of the best people i know i fucking love you and uh it's just great you know great going through life life alongside you hell yeah cheers buddy right <laughs> um yeah normally this is what i'd say this is how you, people can reach the the guest you know on social media or whatever but richard doesn't do that shit so you can't reach him <laughs> you got any questions for richard you can reach out to me and i'll pass along your information um you are thinking about start like considering like you were talking about like building more houses like this for people right that was an idea at one point it was an idea yeah and i thought about how, just seeing how this experience went and maybe starting a business with it like doing the design build and um yeah i don't know i haven't haven't really pursued that any further or even considered it more i've just been kind of just you know unwinding a little bit <laughs> yeah it was a big project it was a big project <laughs> but it'd be awesome to do this for other people and can you continue this type of building and um and, and offer that service for people and, and i think it'd be really fulfilling um it's just a lot of logistics evolving with that but i'm sure it could be done so we'll see i don't know it's still something i'm considering maybe um, you should do a ted talk or something you know talk about the concept i mean it's not like you invented it but you definitely made yeah. it work. yeah yeah it's been it's been working good so we'll uh we'll see maybe the next maybe the next interview we'll have a different different thing going on yeah i can't wait We'll have you on. <laughs> have you on in another three years, and it'll be perfect. You'll be holding the world. Um, all right. Well, we're gonna take a little break, and we're gonna go to part two. We'll be back for part two. Cool. Um, real quick before we take a break, can you give the humans one last bit of wisdom? It can be about anything. One piece of wisdom. Um. Oh, geez. Now you got me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, like I said before, just, just follow your heart with everything you do and be passionate about the work that you do, you know, 
and then uh, things will be things will follow in their pathway of how it's supposed to be in your life, and and um, you'll have a fulfilled life, and you know you'll be you'll be a happy person. There we go. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I got you there, didn't I? What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> Part two is brought to you by Steady State Roasting in Carlsbad, California. This place is my favorite coffee shop on the West Coast, and the coffee is the best. They roast all their own coffees from around the world and have a roasting collective for the local coffee making community. Check them out in the village of Carlsbad or order their beans online at steadystateroasting.com. And we're back. Okay, part two, Richard Silkey, Taylor Gallegos, Art and Life. Um, okay, so Rich, you mentioned that you were feeling like a little bit nervous earlier before the interview started. How are you feeling now? Relax, feel good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like um, it's been great, great talking with you. Great hanging out. You know, you know, telling my story. Maybe hopefully it inspires somebody. You know. Yeah. And um, yeah, feel good. Yeah. Sweet. I always like that. How like beginning of, you know, going into anything like this, it's like there's a little bit of nerves. Some. I mean, some people say they don't feel any nervousness at all, but I would or like excitement. We could call it. But yeah, I guess, I guess I'm not really like a public speaker, you know, like, I'm not like, I'm not really like a huge social guy. I'm not even on social media. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I'm very, I'm very social and I'm in, you know, when I want, but like, um, I don't know, just not like the, not a huge public speaker about it. So there's that, those, those hesitations and nervousness about it, I think, you know? Yeah, totally. It's, <laughs> it's wild how when the record button gets hit, all of a sudden everything's different. It's like, yeah, switched on. And I haven't done like a lot of interviews before. Like, you know, so it's <laughs> not like I'm like, oh, yeah, I just know the interview with Taylor Gagos <laughs> yeah. podcast following. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they're yeah. gonna love you. It's gonna be great. <laughs> um, okay, so then at this part, going into part two, it's a free flow conversation. We, I give you two concepts to choose from and then you can choose one or the other and then you just say your thoughts or feelings about it or whatever comes to mind it's basically a jump off point for the for the conversation okay or you can say i don't like either of those topics you know what i want to talk about is this and then you go off so whatever whatever you want so your two topics your concepts number one is the future and number two is practice okay um let's talk about practice all right what do you think about practice what do i think about practice um well i think you practice everything to you know to to get better what you do you know, you're always putting the time and effort into repetition, practicing to, to doing it and then doing it better and doing it better, you know, striving to, to get the best of what you can do out there, you know, things and whatever you do. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I do. I do a lot of practicing, <laughs> I guess, you know, ultimately. <laughs> 
um, yeah. as we all do. Well, I think that just sounded more, 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 I guess, inviting in the future, just thinking about more of like the present of what we do now daily than, than what's going to happen in the future. I don't wow. Know. That's really cool. I didn't really think of it in like with those two concepts as almost like like two sides of a coin i mean there is the past but practice actually like fills in the space of the present moment yeah so like you got the past practice and future yeah like the practice <laughs> like there's the past is what has happened the future is what will happen and what's now is like our various practices you know practice whatever thing that we're trying to get better at you play golf you used to play basketball there's a lot of practice around that art for me is a practice like a yoga practice is called a practice it's like the thing that you do in the present moment yep that's really cool and it's and when you were saying that too uh it made me think about going back to the master thing um one element of of anything that you master is the technical piece of like how do you actually do the thing and do it you know well and then to a masterful level and in order to do anything at a masterful level you need like you know Malcolm Gladwell says 10,000 hours of practice or like you know you need so much time with the guitar or with the basketball in your hand or with a golf club in your hand or a hammer or whatever it is. Paintbrush. Yeah. Yeah. It takes all that time and all that effort to of practicing to, to get really good at what you want to do. It doesn't, unless you're just, you know, natural like Tiger Woods, <laughs> Yeah, but he definitely practiced a ton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he would say that he practiced like maybe practice more than everybody else. You're probably right. You know, you know like, like, like how many hours and days, like consecutively he practiced, you know, and, uh, and still just comes out after an injury and just like makes a cut in the master's tournament, like the best people in the world, and like without even playing golf or a year, you know, it's just insane. It's amazing. You know, yeah, he's a master. <laughs> yeah that is insane like the it's crazy how there's i mean all the golfers any golfer who's on the tour is like unbelievably good you know like just stupid levels of good compared to i mean you're a good golfer but if you played against a professional you'd probably get smoked uh yeah ridiculous <laughs> yeah and then there's like the other like the upper echelon of the pre the professionals and that's, you know, Tiger Woods and these other like super people in their fields. Yeah. What's crazy about those? Like you, then you see like you'll watch a video of them where they have a bad day, and you're like, oh yeah, I can, I can relate to that. You know, you're like they're, like you, you're like they actually have a day where they are shooting like the '80s or stuff. You know, you're just like they don't ever, you don't ever see that kind of side of things when you're watching all the highlights of golf. Or you always think it's always moments of brilliance. So like. Like there's probably a day maybe I could be Tiger Woods if like I played really well and he shot the worst round of his life. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Um, but like their moments of brilliance are just like on a whole nother level. It's, it's it's just insane. Yeah. You know have how amazing it can be. Yeah. But but it's that practice. <clears throat> you know, you take 
however many golf swings and then you really can figure out it's like you can just fine tune things so deeply the more you practice the more hours you put in and like yeah muscle memory and just like that you you know you just go to like you go to your flow state because you've done it so many times that you don't even you take the mind out of it and you just go into this state of just like not even thinking about it and it just happens because you've done it so much successfully you know like you know the mind doesn't get in the way with all that you know like it's it's interesting yeah like i i mean i remember you you were very good at basketball growing up and you had a nice jump shot and it was like i i feel like i could i could see you like you practice all the time probably more than most anybody out of our whole group like out of out of a lot of people in you know our whole high school and whatnot um the whole area but you would like I, you know, when you get into a flow, I could see you just like get into the zone and get into a flow and like shot after shot after shot. And like, maybe it started hitting like on the front of the rim and you just give it like, you, you could feel your way into like, push it a little bit further, a little bit further, you know, like give it a little more loft, whatever. And yeah, you like, it's cool how like the repetition, the practice, the like in the zone, the intuitive connection with the ball or whatever the instrument is like, you start to like, it's like you go into a deeper part of your brain, your your body, your mind-body connection gets like strengthened and dialed in. Definitely. Yeah, that definitely happens. You know, like you just start to more of a feeling and you know, like just let it happen, you know. But yeah, and it does come with that practice, you know, like you're you're saying, it's all just that repetition and that that um you know, those hours and hours and hours of practice. Yeah. <laughs> Sharpen those skills. <laughs> Cheers, man. What are, you, what are you drinking there? You got the blue moon? I'm drinking a little cerveza, blue moon. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I got a little whiskey here. A little Glenlivet. It's a, it's a gift from a buddy. Heck yeah. No jealous. Yeah. Yeah, you got no whiskey in your house, man. No whiskey, I know. It's just yep. a sad moment. <laughs> it's all right. It's all good. Okay, tell people about these elk that you hunt, because oh, I was blown away. I, I like when you, you told me how big they were, and I was like, "There's no way they're that big." And you're like, "Yeah, dude, seriously." Elk are just—they're like from another planet, man. They're just so, so strong. Um, and they're big and smart and rugged, just tough animals, man. Like they're just tough. Like, you know, they're living in like the hardest places they can live in, you know, they're just doing their thing. Um, they're at elk. Yeah, but I started elk hunting. I started elk hunting like probably 10 years ago or so. Just, uh, and I started deer hunting first, um, through Dave, my father-in-law, Joey's dad, he's a hunter. And my whole goal for hunting was to, to just get, get my own meat. You know, like I, I don't, you know, watching, you know, some of the documentaries on like how the, you know, the animals are treated, you know, in this, you know, this commercial commercialized industry we get our food from. Um, and just wanting, wanting something different, um, wanting to be able to get my own meat. Um, so I, I, I took up hunting um, and 
started with deer, deer, deer a lot easier to hunt than elk. They're, they're, they're still wild. They're still, but they're a little bit lower elevation. They're, they're more curious. They're less spooked. They're, they're still not easy to, you know, to harvest, but they're, they're elk are just on a whole nother level. Like you spook an elk and they just decide to walk up this 45 degree mountain and then just drop over and then go another valley between you two. And you're all of a sudden there's two miles and like 5,000 feet of elevation gain between you two. And you're like, okay, yeah, I, I can't do that. You know? <laughs> and they're just, they're just, they're just so rugged. Um, so they're, that's what's fun about the hunt is the, the challenge of that. Um, and so you have to be, you have to be a better hunter you have to be quieter you have to be more aware of the wind and the anything that's going to give away your position yeah they're yeah because a deer like a deer if they like you you screw up a deer a deer will usually like kind of run 50 yards and then like kind of hook around and then look at you or something or you can make like a you know, little like little noise or something, and they'll be like, "Well, what was that?" You're like, gives you an opportunity, maybe, or like even if you spook them, they just go up like the ridge and hang out. Like you can still see where they go, and then like kind of plan a different strategy to get to them. Whereas an elk, man, they're just like, "See ya!" Like, I'll see you never again. They'll like, I'll just go up this mountain and down completely in the wilderness, which is like, you know, for you to access it, you'd have to hike six miles and you know 13,000 foot peak and then if you get an elk back there then you have to hike it back out you know what I mean like so it's like they're just they're just that that much tougher of an animal um and they're bigger they're you know they're good three you know three times the size of a deer you know I think you know they get anywhere from 600 to 800 pounds I believe you know like a big bull um elk um and uh how big is a horse yeah I mean, I think they're they, they're about that. I think they can get bigger too. I think a horse can be a little bigger, but they're they're pretty close to like a like a smaller size horse, you know. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> they're big. They're a good size. And you get a lot of meat off of them. Like one one, we harvest one elk. It'll it'll last us. And that's typically all the all the meat we we eat besides maybe a little bit of chicken here or there. Um you know but yeah that will just we'll just eat that one that one animal the whole time so it's nice it's a good feeling i got like a whole freezer full out right now that's about half full from last year uh so i had a successful hunt um went solo this last year just over thanksgiving and um hunted i just hunt right up the road from my house um you know because we're kind of right on the not too far from the national forest and there's a lot of elk around in the area, especially that time, of, like the season I hunt. And uh, they kind of come down to lower elevation um, in the winter time or late, late fall. And uh, yeah, we had, had, a, had a great hunt. You know, I was able to, to, to harvest a cow elk. And uh, my father-in-law was so close to here that we could. Then he's got a couple horses. So we went, I went and met up with them and we they saddled up their horses and we rode in pack the elk out with the horses uh, the next day so that's that's a huge resource and that's an awesome benefit to the hunt is being able to not have to like kill yourself getting meat out afterwards because you know we don't we don't hunt where we just like drive around the bar and look for an elk and jump out and shoot it throw it in the back of the truck i mean uh we're typically trying to be out there with the animals and, and uh 
stalking and and following tracks sign trying to learn their habits on where they're going and then like and then trying to put yourself in a position where you're likely to see elk and then uh, you know once you see them be able to do a stalk to where you can get close enough to get a nice a nice uh, shot and, and then um yeah and then you're usually packing them out on your back you know a couple two three miles after that so that's when the work begins is when you get it out there. <laughs> dude and how many i mean you have you basically have to do trips back and forth yeah like if like i was solo this time so i packed out one load by myself the first day and then we we're luckily able to get it all out on the horse the next day but if i didn't have a horse it would have been like four trips by myself like yeah yeah <laughs> but like you know 80 90 pound packs that hurts yeah <laughs> <laughs> <It> hurts <laughs> i'll bet and like i mean are they ever are you ever concerned about other animals with you know the um animals? yeah definitely i mean there's 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 black bear around and there's not lion around like like last year year before last when we were hunting we were, we were seeing a lot of mountain lion tracks everywhere when we were hunting so that was a little spooky, like just definitely like keeping my, they're fresh, definitely keeping my head on a swivel, you know, and like looking behind me occasionally as well. But, um, you know, they're not likely to really come after you, but, um, but yeah, I'm really the, like the next day, like, cause usually like when I hunt, well, like I get it down and we have to pack the first load out the first day and, you know, we quarter it, we process it, dress it, and we quarter it and we have usually hang it in a tree um to keep it off the ground and let it cool and usually it stays there the the, the first night and let it you know cools overnight and we come back in the next day and do you know a couple of trips to get it out of there um so the second day when you come back that's kind of like you know usually have a sidearm on me just in case there's you know another animal around or something like that and definitely approach that you know differently i mean well actually one time we were hunting and my friend got an elk up in this drainage and then we went back to hunt it the next day. And as we were hunting, as we were like, you know, if, if I didn't get anything, we were gonna pack out the rest of his meat. Um, and like, as we were sitting there waiting to see if anything came out, we saw this black bear at the bottom of the drainage and it was walking up the drainage. Like it was a good three miles away. Like when we spotted it two miles and like it was walking up the drainage we could see it and we were like, oh, it kept getting closer and closer. So it was like on the scent of the, of the meat that was there for my buddies the, the night before or the day before. And it was totally coming like up to that tree. Like it got within like 10 yards. And like, we finally just like fired off like a, a scare shot, you know, like, no, do not eat for me, please. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, we weren't near it, but yeah, there's definitely the predators that will come in and, and try to take advantage of that. Uh, and that's where you could get yourself in and some trouble you know yeah yeah <laughs> but colorado's relatively tame I mean, it's not like you're up in alaska where there's like grizzly bears and stuff oh, i know grizz or like montana <laughs> the stories that cam and oh, tells up there yeah, montana yeah grizzlies are crazy those are majorly giant apex predators yes like you feel differently when you are in the in the wilderness when you're not the top of the chain you know there's you know we have mountain lions around they're terrifying because cats are like amazing killers to begin with then you have this wild mountain cat like like straight up african jungle pretty much you know like out here in the colorado hills but like 
they're just not too likely to attack you unless you're running, think you're prey or something like that, you know. But um, it's it's still scary to know they're around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, it's crazy. Right. You know, I, I okay. So what I've heard about black bears is that they're they're easy to scare because they have never been they weren't the top of the food chain like there were always grizzlies in you know colorado and california and a lot of the lower west and then uh -huh. the grizzlies you know were killed off more or like weren't able to sustain their numbers in the area so black bears are now the biggest but they're not actually like they sort of have it in their psyche that they're not the biggest which sure. is interesting thing it's almost like they are like they're kind of trained through time to be like the beta element and then which is crazy it's funny yeah they're definitely like you know more you know not as aggressive around here i think black bears can be more aggressive up further north in canada and stuff like that but i don't really worry so much about black bears around here honestly like i don't really as i'm hiking around or anything i mean i definitely am aware and especially if there's a cub and a mama that's like a bad situation but I'm not overly overly concerned about them you know they're they're, they're gonna smell you they're gonna hear you they're gonna be gone they're not gonna be after you you know yeah trying to you. unless you corner them or they got a baby that they feel like you're threatening <clears throat> you yeah know? whereas grizzlies yeah grizzlies are just terrifying oh my but god I in Alaska, like my you know jody my wife and i we, we went up to alaska like so as soon as we you know, my first year after ski patrol, and we, we, you know, put all of our stuff, all of our possessions and storage, and we drove to Alaska. Like, let's go on an adventure. So we just like took what little money we had and our old Subaru that had like two hundred thousand miles, and we just went for it. <laughs> <laughs> and and when we were up in Alaska, like I, mean, I was remember just going out on some hikes and seeing like grizzly prints and like it's a different feeling it's it's scary <laughs> oh my god you no know, like it's there it's a different feeling when you're not at the top of the food chain out there because they would just maul you and they're huge and aggressive oh and they're faster than you and they can yep. climb better than you and they can swim better <laughs> than you so exactly. there's zero chance of getting away if they want you they've got you exactly <laughs> it's so insane there was one time i was uh on tour with wasteland hop and we were we were in mccarthy did you ever make it to mccarthy i never made it to mccarthy we actually we broke down in chitna okay the little town you stopped at like the last stop before you go to mccarthy on our okay. we were going to go to mccarthy and our car broke down there and we had we ended up camping out on the lake there in chitna for about a week while the while daniel boone our mechanic is fixing our car and uh so we we're camping out on that river so i never made it to me yeah but it sounds amazing yeah um, it is amazing. Like your experience there i mean it's so it's crazy it's like mccarthy is a little like it doesn't have a stoplight or a stop sign it there's no <laughs> paved roads there's probably like you know a five square block area and they're all dirt roads and it's just like a tiny little town and and there's only probably like 50 people that live there year round and um but it, and so it's super remote and at one point we were i was with the band and and we were walking from like one cabin down this little like walkway this little pathway to this other cabin or something like that 
and I'm just like being a tourist and taking photos of these gorgeous mountains everywhere. And, you know, we walk and, and that pathway goes through this sort of like that, you know, that like low brush or, or, or I don't know, like six or eight foot tall bushes. It's kind of, you know, like in lowlands that happen in like lowlands. Uh-huh. Um, moose like to hang out there. Like willows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like walking around there. I'm taking photos. And then all of a sudden I realized that I'm like very alone and that the group has walked ahead of me and they kept going and I was just like dawdling. And all of a sudden I heard the step of every footprint that I took, like was super loud. And I look around and the thought hit me that like, there could be a grizzly anywhere here, like laying down anywhere here. And, uh, and I just like got moving and caught up with everybody. And it was, but it was like the, the moment that that realization hit me. And like, that's the feeling of being anywhere in, in nature where there's grizzlies is that like, there could be one there. And if there was, you'd be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Africa where there's just like, you know, safari animals everywhere like elephants lions you know all these big wild creatures you know yeah it's cool i kind of wish colorado was a little bit more like that you know like in a way you know yeah it's good to have those 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 big animals around i think but same time you don't have to worry about it you know yeah because i tell you when i went to alaska funny story here um uh, we're in grizzly country and we're actually, I think we're in Canada and we're driving up and, you know, we, we cooked this nice meal and like I had my, you know, my clothes that like I cooked in and, and somebody told us there was a grizzly across the river. So we were like, okay, like we don't want to, we want to be very careful tonight. You know, we're going to take all of our clothes. We're going to put them in a separate area. We're going to take all our food, hang it in the tree. Like we're not going to have anything that smells good in our tent. So like, I just, we just shoved it all in our car. So like took, you know, took all those clothes out that like had like the food scent threw them in the car getting ready for bed close the door I lock my keys in my car and I'm in my boxer shorts dude in the <laughs> middle of fucking grizzly country <laughs> <laughs> middle of nowhere and like like and I'm fucking in my boxers <laughs> so I'm like oh what am I gonna do so I like I was gonna like peel my window back and like take my fly rod and like poke the poke the lock open and finally get in. But it was, <laughs> it was so funny. We were just like, it was just we always laugh about that, you know, like how silly that was and how funny that was. Oh yeah, you're like, gotta be super safe here. Gotta be super, super safe. safe. It's good. Let's throw my let's throw my keys with my pants in the car and lock the door. That's a great idea. <laughs> Good fishing rod to open to unlock your door your door that's pretty awesome it worked it worked yeah yep yeah that i was... remember that subaru that you had was it silver was it yeah black? it was yep. yeah it was like an old legacy like the old four-door with like the four-wheel drive that it was actually like push button it wasn't all-wheel drive so you could go two-wheel drive and get good gas mileage and like get on a four-wheel drive when you needed it i don't know why subaru ever went to full all-wheel drive but hmm. it made it so much more inefficient for fuel but um but that car yeah it's, it's still in alaska it won't leave we <laughs> <laughs> ended want? up like the clutch ended up going out well we broke down the first time in chittenden the guy fixed our fuel pump and then we drove down to valdez and anchorage spent some time in girdwood no. um yeah and yeah and then uh 
went down uh, to Seward and the car ended up losing the clutch there. And we're like, this car's not making it back. Like, There's no way we're gonna, we're gonna fly back. And then um, I had to drive, I drove all the way back from Seward to Anchorage without a clutch. So I just like power shifted everything. You know, you could do that. You could just like, like shift the gear by just like revving it up really high and just slamming it into gear. Like to the uh, next uh, gear, into the next gear. And then when you stop at a stop sign, you have to let it just stall out and die. And then you can put it back in first gear and start it. And it's like, burr, 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 and then it's like jerking as you're trying to start the car. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was an awesome adventure, man. It was really, really a, an incredible adventure. That's for sure. We just lived off salmon for like three, like three weeks while we were there. It was just like, we'd go to the inlet, catch a salmon, live off that for like five days. Like, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Dude, I love I love how it's like you know that's just that type of adventure you do when you're when you're young you know you're just yeah like, okay yeah. we got a little bit of money and that car might work let's go, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. everybody thought we were crazy if we we're doing it well, maybe a little but we, we made it so <laughs> what could go wrong yeah this um, is definitely like bc bc fun before children yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that yeah, with Isabel nowadays. Time. I like that. Well, hell, Rich. What else you got? You got anything else you want to talk about? Man, I I think we're doing pretty good, Taylor. I think that was a, quite a an awesome session. I hope hope it was entertaining for some folks, and hopefully, you know, story finds somebody, strikes somebody, gets some, you know, inspired in one way or another. You know, it'd be great. Yep. Yep. I'll tell you what, if, uh, I end up, if I build a house, I'm coming to you and I'm talking details and ideas before I do it because yeah, buddy, Dude, you're going to build a house. Uh, no, I have zero plans of it right now, but oh, okay. I don't, I don't know where life is going to take me, um, in terms of the housing element. Um, yeah. I don't have a whole lot of long-term vision in that field right now. I'm getting things set up, getting life and business and art set up first, and then and then I can do sure. all that stuff. But it'd be sweet. I mean, why not build a house and set it up so it jives with the environment? That's what. It's yeah, like. man, I'd love to help you out and consult with you on whatever I can help you out with. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You're my house consultant. Help you put on a roof. Consider yourself hired. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, Rich, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Taylor. It's been awesome. Yeah. Hang out for a second. I'll uh, pause the recording. Cheers, bro. Okay, cool. And that, my friends, was the one and only Richard Silky. Richard Silky, that guy's awesome. Known him for a very long time. He said we've known each other since we were six, but he's um, he's older than me. Remember when he said he, you know, he's no spring chicken? That's because he's much older than me, at least a year older than me. <laughs> I was only four in kindergarten in the beginning, but um, not quite 40 yet, everybody. Richard, he is. Me, I'm not. He, he's the elder statesman there. Um, much wiser, you know, the, the age comes with its certain advantages. But um, yeah, that was a really cool conversation. I really have loved watching him do 
like like build the house and design the house and i wanted to get him on the podcast and we've been talking about it for a long time but it's just really cool how these like simple um concepts can translate into like a great design that works really well and has all these advantages to it and you know it all comes from like a concept of and and really like a way of thinking you know thinking about like how can we use these natural elements um in the best way possible and like use it to an advantage work with nature you know so many so much of what uh like humans have done in the past is not work with nature but sort of use it um i don't know it's like a using rather than like a symbiotic like working with i guess taking taking and and whatnot whereas this is this is like using a renewable resource which is the sun and um, getting the max out of it i think it's so cool and like i said the utilitarian element of the design is really really awesome his house looks great too it's like it's not just utilitarian um it's really like if you if you just came up on it it's not like you would think anything of it that it was like out of the ordinary from other houses in terms of like design and style but um yeah it just works better which is so cool and uh yeah i like the part about the about practice that's another thing it's really cool richard has always he and his sisters have always been really hard workers and just very diligent about getting better about things, getting better at things and, you know, like school. He always did his homework um, early and, and just always got it done. That was just like his way of being is like on it, diligent, hardworking. And I've always respected it. I haven't always done these things. Uh, while Richard was being diligent and hardworking, I may or may not have been not at times. But I very much see that when you do it, it uh, it pays off. And so I've I've incorporated that into my life as an artist and as a you know you know you grow up and you you learn things and you observe people in the world and you see what works and then you do it. Um, so yeah, practice. Practice, practice, keep on getting better at whatever it is that you do. And it's gonna turn into something flat out. That's how it works. Um, or maybe it'll turn into something else other than the thing that you think it is. But that's okay, that's where you, you keep that open mind and just go after something and you're gonna end up somewhere. The only thing that you shouldn't do is well, I'm, I'm not going to say what you should or shouldn't do, but I'll say that doing nothing oftentimes will will just uh, leave you with zero results. Or maybe it won't. Maybe you're, you're, you're in your mind thinking about something that's going to happen. Who knows? Anyway, guys, I'm rambling. I'm going to cut this off now and uh, I'm going to go to sleep. It's late. So hope you're enjoying your creative practice whatever it is this podcast is intended to be listened to while you're being creative or to inspire creativity and because uh, i know that you're doing something awesome out there or maybe you have something inside of you that you're not doing yet 
but um, I know you've got something. I know you have some sort of creative outlet and whatever it is, I encourage you to practice and keep going at it. And uh, I'm just saying good things are happening. So with that, I sign off. Cheers.